Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by Daikin. Hey, Texans fans, get a home field advantage this summer with Daikin Air Intelligence Tips you can use to beat the heat in your home. Learn how to lower your energy costs, reclaim your outdoor space, and breathe easier by improving your indoor air quality. It's all part of Daikin's Air Intelligence, and you can learn all about it by visiting daikinloveshouston.com. As one of Houston's largest employers, Daikin is doing big things for your fellow Texans. Check out their outstanding limited warranties and financing options at your local dealer today. Now back to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, the mobile studios, a.k.a. my crib. Welcome in. I'm John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. And wow, about 18 hours away, we're getting on the bus to get on the plane to fly to Indianapolis and take on the Colts on Sunday so overall, we're less than 48 hours away from another visit with the Indianapolis Colts. Week 15, three games left in this season, and boy, it has been—it's been a long one on a number of different levels. But it's the Colts, man. It's the Colts, and there is at least some good news as it pertains to the Colts in this one with players in that. Well, we. Keeping our fingers crossed that we were going to see certain players in this game, and I think we're going to see them. So we'll get into a little bit more of that. We'll get to it in my keys to the game, which I always have. We'll have our predictions that I do straight up against the spread. We will also have our deep slant one-on-one brought to you by Xfinity. And this week, DP Sidhu caught up with Kiki QT. Which, by the way, and I'll tell this, this quick story. We're in Chicago, and there's no crowd. A lot of times, in just a, in a regular environment, full pack stands, I, I can't hear much going over the PA anyways because I have to crank up my volume so that I don't hear the crowd. I have to listen to Mark and Andre. I have to hear back in the studio, all that kind of stuff. Well, I didn't have to do that as much because there are no fans. So every time that Kiki would go back to catch a punt, the Bears announcer would go, Pat O'Donnell to punt, Kiki, cutie. Like, he's a cutie. No, it's QT. Like, the letters Q and T. QT. And he was calling him cutie. And I was like, he's not cutie. It was just, it was bothering me so badly. And he did it every single time. And I know they have a pronunciation guide. I know they do. And they kept calling him cutie. It's like, no, it's Kiki, QT. Like, the two letters QT. So, Great to have Kiki on because it's the Colts. And if there's anybody that's had success against the Colts, it is our man Kiki QT. We will also have Drew's Dozen 12 Questions with Nate Hall, linebacker, who really popped off the screen against the Detroit Lions. Now, we haven't seen him much since, but Northwestern grad, has come in the league, been around Houston uh, and with the Texans for a few years. I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to this. Just based on what Drew sent me in the lead-up to this show, it got me jacked up, got me really interested. And then Drew had a way of kind of putting a nice little tease out there on Twitter. So I'm looking forward to hearing from Nate Hall this evening. That's going to be very, very fun. We'll also... 
have our men behind the mics tonight because I think I teased it early in the show, but then forgot to play it during the show because I had so much from the other night. So that was that was my bad. It's my bad. It's my bad. I hate that. But we'll have Matt Taylor on to go men behind the mic. So I'm definitely uh, looking forward to hearing from Matt. He can eat up some innings, kind of like me. So the two of us get on the air. It's going to go about 30 minutes. But luckily, uh, with Mark, hopefully it'll be about 10 to 15, somewhere in there. And so we can contain it all in one show. So we've got those to look forward to. Like I said, predictions. Oh, and then we've got Drew's final word for this week. And this week, Drew is going to sit down for the final word with, oh, buckle up, Sparky. And my daughter, if she's listening, Chad Hansen. Uh, yeah, my daughter happened to see a picture of Chad Hansen the other day, and all of a sudden, number 17 is her favorite player. And that's all. That's it. Right? That has nothing to do with how many catches he has. Has nothing to do with where he went to college. Just based on the picture she saw, she's a fan of Chad Hansen. So, Chad Hansen, Kiki QT, Nate Hall, Matt Taylor, picks... Uh, keys to the game. We got everything on this show. We got to kick it off with some hot reads. Hot reads brought to you by Geico. Go to geico.com, spend 15 minutes, and you will save 15% or more on car insurance. And each and every Friday at this time, we hear from Mark Vandermeer, who sits down with the head coach of your Houston Texans, and that is Romeo Crennel. Mark? Coach, I know you've gotten a lot of questions about having played the Colts two weeks ago, but what you did in the second half defensively, really slowing them down, no points for their offense in the second half, how difficult is that to duplicate? What can you take with you from that particular half? Well, I hope we can take that whole half and make it a whole game. You know, that's the big big deal there because you got to play 60 minutes. And so if we can do that for 60 minutes, then we'll be in good shape. What about getting to Phillip Rivers? You were able to get creative and get some pressure on him last time. Obviously, they're going to game plan for that, but do we expect something similar there, sending extra people? That's been working out pretty well for you when you've done it this season. Well, yes. I think uh, sometimes teams don't expect it, and then uh, when it's called, it comes at the right time, and we're able to, uh, to get pressure on the quarterback and, and in some cases get him on the ground. So uh, we'll continue to use that mix of uh, – pressure and coverage how much of a chess match is it preparing for this one because it's been so recently that you've played this opponent I know you've been through this many times in your career so how do you handle that you have to sort of predict what they might do that they didn't do well last time just like you have to do well you're exactly right you know you have to fix the things you consider to be problems from the last game fix those and then the things you felt like went well then you say well we can run these again anticipate that they're going to try to have their fixes as well, you know. And so now then when we get out there and we start calling plays, we see what works, what adjustments they've made, how our adjustments are working, and then you're playing the game. Coach, offensively, uh, I want to put the spotlight on one of your players, Duke Johnson. Since he's come into the league, he's top five in every major statistical receiving running back category. He's been very effective for you. What about throwing to him and other backs out of the backfield, how that's been working for you as a whole? Well, that's a, that's a, a pretty big part of the offense, you know, uh, overall. 
because we line them out of the backfield, re re release them from the backfield, and we throw to them, you know. And so uh, you have to have good hands. You have to have uh, a good vision. You have to have uh, a good sense of route running. So that means you got to read coverages and know what coverage uh, you and the quarterback see and be on the same page. Uh, and so all of those things go into it. And Duke has done a very, very good job about it. You know, and then David, he, he does a good job also. Coach, as far as being on the road this year, normally I'd ask you about road environment, how to handle it. What's it been like dealing with these strange road environments during the COVID part of professional football? I get, you know, the biggest difference is there's nobody in the stands, you know. Uh, and, and so in one sense, that's an advantage when you're on the road because you don't have the crowd noise that you have to deal with on third down. It's a disadvantage when you're at home because you don't have the crowd noise for your opponent to deal with, you know, but, but going on the road, uh, the biggest change is the, the protocols that we have to go through at the hotels because it changes from, from uh, state to state. Uh, mm. And then the things that we're trying to do to protect ourselves and uh, keep the, this virus from coming in and spreading. Coach, you can't win the division, but you can have a lot of say-so in who does. If you beat the Colts, obviously, it really puts a hurt on them to win the AFC South. Is that something you talk to your team about, or do you focus on the X's and O's and matter at hand and just winning the particular game? Well, I concentrate more on winning the particular game, but I know that it's a division opponent that we're facing, and we play in a division. And if we win our division games, whether we have a chance to win the division or not, I think winning division games are important uh, because they kind of set a tone. Um, if, if not for this year, for next year, you know, that you're able to beat your division opponents. And so then, then you get an expectation of, of what your expectations are when you play a division opponent. Coach, thanks so much for the time. Best of luck against Indy. All right, Mark. Thanks. There's a good little bit from head coach Romeo Cornell. All right. Mark brought up one guy that we need to talk about in our next hot read, and that is the injury report. And on Friday, it's a status report, so we got to know who's in, who's out. Now, this is kind of a weird one. Nobody on either side is ruled out of this one. No one. The Texans do have five players questionable, and all of them have a, as I look at it, yeah, everyone pretty much plays a pretty um, important role for this team, especially at this point of the year, and you'll see what I mean here in a second. The aforementioned Duke Johnson listed as questionable. He's been dealing with a neck. He came out of that Chicago Bears game, and I think he got dinged up on a run, and you know, he wanted to go back into the game at that point. He is questionable. So, fingers crossed that Duke did not practice the last couple days, today and yesterday. He is questionable. C.J. Procise dealing with an ankle. He is also questionable. Good news. From a running back standpoint is David Johnson is back. So, you've got definite bodies back there. But if Duke and C.J., let's just say they're out. Let's just say they're both out. Then it's going to be David Johnson, Buddy Howe, Scotty Phillips in your backfield. But we'll see what happens with Duke and CJ, both listed as questionable. Did not participate today at practice. Limited. If you remember last week, 
Philip Gaines, John Reed, two corners for this team that the Texans need to have as many corners as possible going against T.Y. Hilton uh, and the, uh, the Indianapolis Colts passing attack. They need them. They're both listed as questionable. Limited participants today at practice also listed as questionable, which has, uh, is not a good one. And that's Lonnie Johnson dealing with a knee. He is also listed as questionable. So you've got two corners, two running backs, and a safety all listed as questionable. So let me take that Lonnie Johnson one because that one, I believe, just popped up if, uh, if, I've look, if I'm looking at this properly in that he was a limited participant in practice on Friday. And let's see, he was not listed on the injury report either of the previous days. So that worries me a little bit. Now, it could be nothing. It could just be got a little dinged up, bump knees. Could be a little bit worse. Who knows? But Lonnie Johnson lists as questionable with the knee. If Lonnie Johnson's unable to go at safety, now you're down Justin Reed, who went on IR. You're down Lonnie Johnson. And if either of these corners are out, you're down Gaines and John Reed. Oh, boy. That secondary is um, beat up, to say the least. So the only thing you really know for sure in that secondary, you know for sure in that secondary is Eric Murray, Vernon Hargraves. You know Cornell Armstrong is in, Keen Crossan, and I don't know if there's anybody else. So fingers crossed that you can at least get a couple of these other guys back in. Oh, you've got uh, at safety, you got A.J. Moore and you have Jonathan Owens. So uh, you've got that back in the in the uh, secondary that can help. But corner again, you're stretched pretty thin. Uh, safety, you're stretched thin. If Lonnie Johnson, um, you're already stretched thin. But if Lonnie Johnson doesn't play, you're stretched even thinner. Uh, and I didn't think that was possible with a secondary going into the year that was already down. Garyon Conley, and then you're down Bradley Roby for the rest of the year. Then you lose Justin Reed. Last week you were without John Reed and Philip Gaines. It's been a tough year in the secondary, and now you face Phil Rivers at home with some confidence after scoring 44 points against the Raiders last week. But you got to go to battle. Got to go see what you can do. But that is your status report for your Texans. Good news. Cornell Armstrong, Farrell Brown, Brandon Cooks. That's a good one. Brandon Cooks being back in. David Johnson also back as well. Now, for the Colts, they only have two players questionable. I'm sorry, three. Anthony Costanzo, I think, will play. He played last week against the Raiders. So I would expect him to play. He was a full participant in practice. Mo Alley-Cox was a limited participant today in practice um, as he's dealing with a knee issue. Now, they also have Jack Doyle, so they're not going to be crying in their beer about their tight ends. But one to keep an eye on who did not participate today in practice, and that's DeForest Buckner. He is questionable for this one, and he makes a massive difference figuratively and literally for this Indianapolis Colts football team. So... DeForest Buckner, Mo Alley-Cox, Anthony Costanzo. I would expect Costanzo. Don't know about Mo Alley-Cox, but DeForest Buckner being questionable and did not participate on Friday, something to keep an eye on, which would help this Texans offense uh, and Deshaun Watson in that offensive line. So there is your status report and your hot reads brought to you by Geico. When we get back, we will have our Deep Slant one-on-one interview for the week. Sweet Deepy sat down with 
Kiki QT is brought to you by Xfinity. Welcome back to this Friday night edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, and it's time for our deep slant one-on-one of the week brought to you by Xfinity. And this week, DP City had a chance to catch up with Kiki QT. And of course, right off the bat, she's got to find out about Kiki's love of pregame. Yeah, pregame. DP, take it away. It's Deep Slant 101 presented by Xfinity. My guest this week, wide receiver Kiki QT. Kiki, before we start, I just have to say we do the pregame show. And one of my favorite shots is you warming up because you are really, you're putting out the dance moves. And I feel like if I watch you long enough, I can probably guess what song you're singing because you're just like, you know the words to everything. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I just try to get uh, get going before the game. You know, I'm always trying not to get too hyped. But yeah, if you catch me before the uh, pregame, I'll pr- probably be juiced up a little bit dancing. I miss being on the field, actually watching you guys warm up. Who who else out there is really um, getting loose with you uh, in pregame warmups? Uh, maybe Stevie Mitchell. Uh, not too many guys, you know, they're trying to conserve their energy. So, you know, everybody's trying to control their emotions. But I would say, man, you know, he's a little crazy before pregame. But um, everybody else, you know, everybody's pretty uh, self-centered. You know, everybody has their different routine before the game. I like it. I mean, keep it going. It's a lot of fun to watch. Let's talk about this season for you. I know you've been asked about it a ton. It's just had its share of, of up and downs. And for you personally, uh, the way the season started to where it's going now, if you put the Texans record aside, I mean, you're out on the field and you're really contributing to this offense right now. What's it been like for you these last few weeks, just getting back into the game, back into the plays and just getting your confidence back? Just being out there, I say first and foremost is a blessing just to be back out there um, being able to compete on Sundays, you know, but I'm um, just uh, – I would say I'm back to doing what I'm normally um, doing, you know, just making plays, you know, trusting in my abilities and, you know, having that great relationship with my quarterback. So, you know, just to be out there the last couple of weeks and actually getting able to produce, you know, uh, I'm sure it makes everybody feel good. We haven't seen a lot of you this season, but in recent weeks we have. So if you look back from year one to now, where do you feel like you've really improved the most when you look back at from your rookie year to now? You know, would it be – in your route running and, and how you study defenses? Is it your mechanics? What do you think has is, is made the biggest improvement since you've been in the league? Well, I would say just uh, the speed of the game and just uh, attention to detail. Um, you know, not just uh, just knowing where I need to be at the right time, depths around, things like that, you know, um, being quarterback friendly, just the small details that go into the game, you know, to actually help my quarterback throughout the game. So, and just continuing to get 1% better every single day. So I'll just say those two things, man. And knowing where to be on the field, I know this offseason was a weird one, but you and Deshaun had a chance to to practice a little bit. Chad Hansen, he got together with some of the receivers. How, how much does that really help you to just fine-tune some of that outside of a normal practice week in the offseason, just when things aren't crazy, to, to actually work on that? And what sort of feedback do you look for from a quarterback? Uh, I feel like um, just um, things that he sees um, where you need to be, like uh, just for instance, you know, on a particular route, the depth, things like that, how he sees it, how he sees the defender. So I feel like those one-on-one, um, those one-on-ones during the summer is really helpful because, you know, that gets the timing down. Quarterback knows where you're going to be, you know, and it obviously builds trust. So I'd say just getting out there working with those, the quarterback in the summer really helped us. Did you ever watch any wide receivers similar to the position and the, the role that you play in this offense? You know, who who do you sort of look to and, and model your game after? Well, I would say I watched a lot of Tavon Austin growing up, um, just similar size, stature, same ability. So still kind of watching to this day, you know, someone I've always watched growing up. But, um, 
I would say mostly just um, the last couple of years, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, just being around him and Will Fuller, Cooks, Cobb, you know, those veteran guys, you know, good guys that know how this game goes. So I feel like just being able to have those veteran guys in my room the past couple of years really helped me. Yeah, that wide receiver room has changed so much since you showed up in 2018. It's it's even changed so much. We talk about it since the start of the season, the four wide receivers that, uh, you know, everyone thought were going to be the starting four, or at least a big part of this of this offense, no longer no longer playing games here in December. Will Fuller, obviously, Brandon Cooks didn't play in that Chicago game. You know, hopefully he comes back. But Randall Cobb goes on IR. Kenny still gets waived. What's that like from a receiver standpoint? Because it, are you expected to do a little bit more when when guys go down, or do you do you stay true to the type of receiver that you are? I would say uh, most importantly, stand true, uh, stand true to who you are. Uh, because you know, once you press and you know you start try to make too many plays, you know that's when bad things happen. So you know, I feel like when those guys went down, you know, we got the room for the guys to step right into it, and that's what we've done every single game after that. You know, as a fantasy as well. So we have guys that can step in right away. And with some of those losses also in the return game got affected and we see you out there doing some kickoff returns, some punts. And now you're mostly kickoff return, at least against Chicago, you mostly kickoff return. Uh, you know, we joke that you got to have to be a little bit crazy to be in the return sure. game and return kicks like that. But what do you enjoy about that the most? And, and you know, what is it that you're always trying to work on as far as as improving? Because I know that's really hard to do when you're not getting game reps and to go into a game and then be fielding punts and kicks it can't be an easy easy task to take up yeah I feel like just um just being a playmaker back there you know that's what a, a kid returning a permanent returner is you know they put a guy back there that they know they can make plays in the open space and expecting that guy to see those holes so I'm saying yeah you got to be a little crazy with those guys running down there full speed at one guy so I feel like um it's really helped me just to show my ability in, in different ways you know not just receivers so just showing that I'm capable of doing everything that, that they're asking of me do one of those feel more instinctive to you than the other feeling, whether it's uh, I would say, um, I would say um, punt return is more natural, even though I haven't had that much experience in the NFL so far doing it. Just because it's a lot more space and opportunity, you can see things hit um, a little bit different. But kickoffs a little faster, a little faster, you don't have that much time to run around as you would at the punt return. So kind of feel like I would favor a punt return more, but kind of equal on both, I would say, as well. <laughs> Well, Tim Kelly was asked about you, and and he said, and I'm going to quote, he said he was proud as hell of you, and you and Chad Hansen, because you guys didn't really play a lot this season. Then you came in against Indy the first time and, and made some really big plays and came in clutch for this offense. So how hard was that for you to come in? I, I know you waited for your opportunity since week two against Baltimore, but you know what is what is the mental conversation like in your head You know, as a player when you're sort of waiting to get through those weeks? Because you don't know when your opportunity is going to come. But then when it does, you have to be you have to be ready. Yeah, I feel like um, I feel like it's long and hard. You know, you're just waiting on any given Sunday just to be ready to play. So for that extended period of time, you know, you can't dwell on it because it can only get worse from there. So I feel like just keeping keep believing in yourself and just being ready to go. You know, um, I didn't know my number was going to get called again, and then it, it came that New England game. You know, Cobb had the injury, and I was unaware of it myself. You know, and so. I was ready to go, so just to be out there and be back in the moment. So I've been ready to go ever since. And people seem to be really happy for you and your success in recent weeks. I mean, you already got m- more touchdowns than you did, you know, your rookie year, and and you're getting in the end zone more and more. But fans seem to be really excited that you're you're back out on the field and they can see what you're doing. How much does that mean to you, just being a guy from Lufkin, Texas, and growing up in the state of Texas, how much the Texans fans have embraced 
No, it means a lot to me just to show they still have the um, that uh, belief in me, uh, even after the bad stuff. You know, I'm just really appreciative they um, they're there they're there able to uh, appreciate me and see what I can do. I would say I can just keep doing better things and just keep bringing uh, production. All right. Well, Deshaun Watson said that he's really proud of you as well. He said that that what we've seen so far is not even your limit. That you that Kiki can get a lot better. So tell me, I want to know from you, how do you think? that you can get better and and what what is still out there for you to attain? Uh, just not getting complacent. Uh, I feel the same way as Deshaun. Uh, I feel like I haven't reached my limit yet, not even close. So I had a lot of great games so far in my career, but I feel like I can go even, even further. So, you know, just taking my game to the next level, uh, never being complacent. I always want to be the best side in this league one day. So I'm going to keep working towards that. All right. We can't wait to see what uh, the future has in store for you. Always a pleasure, Kiki QT. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. I appreciate it. Excellent stuff right there from the Lufkin native, Kiki QT. Boy, Lufkin's put out some players. A couple of receivers, Des Bryant got to the NFL. He did some good things. He also, unfortunately, tested positive. Apparently for COVID, I don't know. Nobody really knows, but Des was pretty upset he couldn't play in that, uh, I think it was a Tuesday night game against the Cowboys. Man, if there's a game that Des Bryant absolutely without question Wanted to be in more than any other probably in his entire career. It was that one. But Des Bryant, I know that's somebody that Kiki looked up to a lot uh, while he was growing up. And then Kiki got himself to the league. So I know there are a lot of kids in Lufkin looking up right now to the man himself, Kiki QT, who faces the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. Why is that a big deal? Well, whenever Kiki has faced the Colts, he has found a way to light them up. And I was at the Senior Bowl in January of 2019. So this was this was after uh, the playoff loss. Now, if you remember the playoff loss, Kiki scored the only touchdown that day. Lost 21-7. But Kiki had 11 catches, had one that went for a touchdown. And earlier in the year against the Colts, in the first game that he ever played, he had 11 catches. So he had 22 catches uh, in two games against the Colts that year. And so I was at the Senior Bowl, and I was talking to Chris Ballard, and we were talking about various things. We'd watch a play, and we'd kind of write down some notes, and then all of a sudden, one of us would say something to the other. We'd talk about that in between plays. We'd watch another play. We'd kind of go on like that for a while. And at some point, it's kind of quiet as we watch, watch the play. He turned to me and goes, man, QT's pretty good, isn't he? I was like, yeah, he's pretty good. I like seeing this guy out on the field. He just kind of looked at me and he gave me that look like, man, we got to deal with that guy, don't we? And I was kind of like, yep, you got to deal with that guy. And since then, Kiki has been a huge problem for the Indianapolis Colts. Scored a touchdown, which I think was considered a rushing touchdown in 2019 up there. Had two 11 catch games against them in 18. And this year, he broke out for 141 yards, I think on eight catches. I think that was the number against the Colts in the home game. So another opportunity for Kiki to put some numbers up against a team he apparently really likes to face. So let's do it again on Sunday, Kiki QT. All right, we get back. It's time for our first community credit union, first glance, keys to the game. Now this is kind of a challenge because two weeks ago, I did my keys to the game. Two games have taken place since. Have my keys changed? Yeah, a little bit. So we'll get to those next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by Apache Corporation. 
Nearly 3 billion people worldwide live in energy poverty, meaning they lack access to reliable electricity or clean cooking fuels. The natural gas and oil produced by companies like Apache Corporation help power cleaner electricity, enable access to food, education, and healthcare, and connect us to those we love. We are committed to providing the energy the world needs and to elevating families across the globe to higher standards of living. Learn more at ApacheCorp.com. That's ApacheCorp.com. Now here's the show. Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans radio studio, a mobile unit, if you will, and it's been mobile since about March, but that's okay, because we still do all the same things at our actual studio and in our mobile studios, i.e. our homes, vans, cars, wherever we are, we're taking it with you. I am your host this evening, as I have been the last seven years, John Harris, and it's time for the First Community Credit Union First Glance Keys to the Game, FCCU, the official credit union of your Houston Texans. Now, the Texans are facing the Colts on Sunday. That is no surprise. You've seen it on the calendar since, uh, when did that come out? May? Well, no, it came out a little bit later than, it's, than it normally does. The schedule, that is. So, it was a little bit later, but we've known that we were playing Indianapolis twice in three weeks. You would think, well, eh, not much has changed. But as I started to put some numbers in, and then I looked at what the Colts have done, like, man, maybe a few things have changed. Let me kind of treat this as just a completely different animal, if you will, for my keys to the game. And you can read everything that I have to say in my Know Your Foe article, which is posted at HoustonTexans.com. So, two weeks ago, the Colts were 7-4. and four coming off a major, major win against the Tennessee Titans. I'm sorry, a major loss to the Tennessee Titans. The Titans just hammered them in Indianapolis. The Colts win that game, and then all of a sudden, they are cruising because now they've got the season sweep over the Titans. Any tiebreakers are going to go their way, but they get blitzkrieged at home. Then they got to come to Houston. And at that point, yeah, we're dealing with no Will Fuller. We're dealing with no Bradley Roby. But it's Colts-Texans. These are one-score games, right? Well, from that point forward, the Colts beat us 26-20. Then they went out to Las Vegas. And they beat the Raiders 44-27 and really took over in the second half. And one of the main ways they took over was running the football. And that's what leads me to this first point. Two weeks ago, 7-4, now 9-4, getting ready to host us at Lucas Oil. When I first put these numbers in two weeks ago, they were averaging about 101 yards per game on the ground. I think it was like 101.4. Two weeks after, the Colts are averaging 113 yards per game on the ground. They went from like middle of the pack rushing two games, one against us. And I don't, they, didn't really, they didn't really go off against us, but they did against the Raiders. And that 200 and something yards that they ran for against the Raiders jacked them up. They are now 113 yards per game on the ground, 263.7 through the air. That dropped a few yards. That's 10th in the league. And overall, offensively, they're 9th in the league at 376.7. Roster, very familiar. You know Phillips at quarterback. Jonathan Taylor has stepped up and become the man in the backfield. T.Y. Hilton is a guy that always kills the Texans. 
and their offensive line should be back intact. We talked about this in the opening segment. Anthony Costanzo is listed as questionable. However, he should be back. He played in that game against the Raiders and was vital in that game against the Raiders. I think he'll be back. Unless there was some sort of setback that we don't know about, Anthony Costanzo is going to play. And he was a full participant today at practice. So, what are the keys to beating the Colts' offense? Well, this key hasn't changed. It's key number one. And I call it, let's see if you can pick up my theme here, Hilton Honors. You might not with that one. Hilton Honors. And that has to do with T.Y. Hilton. And I said this, I pounded the gavel that week, and y'all didn't want to listen. Y'all just like, John, he hasn't done anything all year. He's called like 25 passes. Come on, man. This isn't the same T.Y. Hilton. I'm like, look, when you've got somebody's number, when you've got a team's number, and this goes for everything, when you've got their number, doesn't matter. And oh, by the way, T.Y. finally had gotten healthy and had his best game of the year against the Titans the week before. Caught a touchdown in that Titans game. All he's done since is account for 37% of his entire season's total of receptions, 46% of his entire season total of yards, and 100% of his touchdowns in just the last three weeks. And I try to tell y'all, I try to tell you, look, he kills the Texans. This is just something, there's something about it. And he loves doing it at NRG Stadium. So here's what you do when you go to Lucas Oil. You double him. You send people his way. You figure out they're running rub routes against man coverage. You got a safety that's going to clip him or cut him. And, I mean, not that's just a coverage call. That's going to help. You're not going to give easy throws to T.Y. Hilton. You're going to make somebody else beat you. You know what? We're going to walk out of there, and T.Y. Hilton is going to have two receptions for 18 yards. He's not beating us this time. That's got to be something that the Texans absolutely unequivocally do in this game is stop T.Y. Hilton. And by stop, I mean limited success. Eight for 101 and a touchdown or whatever it was. I mean, he got most of that in the first half. So whatever in the second half you were doing, sending guys over top, sending safety over top to help, whatever you got to do, you've got to slow down T.Y. Hilton. Number two, title is called Rookie Runner. Yet Hilton Honors, rookie runner, and that is Jonathan Taylor. He, and I saw one of my, my, one of my favorite shows on NFL Films, and it's on Fox during the week. It's called Turning Point. And Turning Point talked about the game against the Raiders. And they talked about how Taylor may have hit like a rookie wall, like week like 9, 10, 11. Really just didn't look the same. Fumbled a ball in a big game against the Ravens. Just, it was tough. But then against us, you could see he started picking up chunks of yards. I think he was 13 for 91 in the running game, and then he caught a pass for a touchdown on the backfield. He was starting to get his juice back. Well, against the Raiders, oh boy, 150 yards on the ground, hammered the Raiders. And what worries me, and this is probably my overall point about this game, what worries me is that the RTDB theory that they espoused on Twitter afterwards through their team account, and they did it twice, actually, run the dang ball, is something the Colts should be doing. With Quentin Nelson and Glowinski and Ryan Kelly and Costanzo and Braden Smith, that's one of the better offensive lines in the league, and they will knock your block off. And Jonathan Taylor is 229, 230 pounds of 4.39 speed. Pound the rock. Well, that's what I would do if I were them. 
And I think they're finally doing it. And that's scary. So, with a rookie running back like this, don't want to see a repeat of what happened against the Bears. Guys jumping out of their gaps. Guys trying to do things they're not taught to do. And that kills you. And that opens up a big hole. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a big, thick, burly running back bearing down on a safety. Missed a tackle. It's a house call. Jonathan Taylor will do the same and then some. Tackling has got to be on point. Oh, tackling. Let's get to number three. I call it tackling time. There is nothing more important in this game. Nothing. Talk about T.Y. Hilton. You can talk about Jonathan Taylor. You can talk about all that. There is nothing more important than tackling on Sunday. And the tackling has not been very good lately. When the Texans were playing some better football after the bye week, in large part it was because they were tackling very well. That is, and now, there were some hiccups here and there. Browns late in the game, that killed them. Throughout the entire game against the Bears, the tackling was awful. That's got to change. So key number three, tackling time. Bring your big boy pads, bring your arms, hands, fingers, and everything you need to wrap up and bring Jonathan Taylor and every single ball carrier to the ground. If you don't, if you throw a shoulder into him, you try and go low and roll tackle him, forget it. You got to wrap up, get him to the ground. You get him to the ground, you live to see another play, and that's what you have to do against this team. Number four, read and react. Now, back in the 90s, whenever you would hear press conferences and coaches would say, yeah, we're a read and react defense. Coach, or, uh, fans would hear that and go, oh, my God. Basically, what that means is you're non-aggressive. You're trying to see everything happening and then react to it as opposed to, no, 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 no. We're penetrating, get up, field, create chaos, all that kind of stuff. Read and react is not that. I'm not talking that the Texans should be a read and react defense, but here's what I mean by that. You have to, as a defense, read things on the fly, especially at the second and third level of the defense. And that's not something the Texans have been doing. And I'll give you a great example. Naeem Hines' five-yard touchdown run against the, against the Texans in the first matchup should never have happened. But you've got too many guys going into the same gap. And because you have too many guys going into the same gap, when you have a guy doing his job, Whitney Merciless, he's doing his job to kind of cave in the side of the line. He's got no help on the outside because guys aren't reading what's happening in front of them and reacting appropriately. You got too many guys. You got a safety and two linebackers go all up in the same gap. Well, Naeem Hines sees all that. And he's like, well, I'm going to go out here. And now it was a tough play because it was man coverage. And so those, those man defenders have got to go inside with the receivers. But still, that allowed two linebackers and a safety to read that and react appropriately and did not. And that has killed the Texans. In that same game, Charles Amenahu and J.J. Watt, they kind of hugged each other after a play. And in large part, it was because Charles had gone into the, as he said, he went into the wrong gap and kind of cut off J.J.'s pass rush and it kind of impacted. There's, there's got to be a read and react. Hey, if my guy does this, I got to do this. If this gets done here, I got to do this. And look, I know everybody wants to make a play. Defense hasn't been playing well. You want to make a play. But you have to read things and how it's unfolding and react appropriately. Now, I'm not saying that you got to take away from the aggressiveness of your defense and play a read-react defense, but you got to read how things are going and react appropriately. And when you don't, plays like that happen. Number five, as Andre Ware likes to say, the pastry store needs to be open. I call number five pigskin pastries. It's time for turnovers. 
We did not get one in the first game against the Colts and lost. We do need to get one against the Colts this time, and hopefully it'll be in a win. All right, let's flip over and look at the Colts defense and what are the keys for Deshaun Watson and company against this outstanding defense, one that is sixth in the league in total offense allowed per game at 327 yards per game, less than 100 yards on the ground. Texas did run okay on them last time. Yeah, Deshaun Watson accounted for some of that, but I thought David ran it okay against them, and David will be ready to go for this game. Teams are throwing it for 227.8 yards per game. That's 13th in the league, but here is the key. These guys turn teams over in a big way. 15 interceptions this year. My goodness. Now, what are the keys to winning versus the Colts defense? North and south. Now, if you didn't pick up my theme earlier, it was alliteration. Hilton honors rookie runner tackling time read react pigskin pastries. This is the only one that was not alliteration because I well, I couldn't find a way to do it. So I didn't. But the key here is for the Texans runners to go north and south. This can't be a wide running game. This cannot be, let me try and get the edge on this run. This has to be bull in a china shop, Buddy Howell, David Johnson going downhill. Now, like right away. There can't be any indecisiveness. It has to be north and south. No east-west. They've got to be going north and south, falling forward for every single inch that they can possibly get. This Texans offense has got to generate some form of a running game to have any shot of winning this game. And the only way they can do that is for these running backs to go north and south. This defensive front for the Colts makes it hard enough as it is, whether they have DeForest Buckner or not. Look, Grover Stewart was probably better in the first game than DeForest Buckner was. He caused a ton of problems. But you have to go north and south. You have to get on those linebackers right now. And if you do that, you got a chance to have some semblance of a running game. Number two, a wearing warning. If there's something that I want to see more than anything else, I think, in this game, it's Kahale wearing to do something. Now, he's been on the field. He's run some routes down in the red zone. He's been on there for a few plays, a handful of plays. He was targeted once in Detroit, and he was targeted once in the game against the Colts uh, on a ball that Deshaun had to throw kind of high, and Waring was not able to even get his hands on it covered by Kenny Moore. And I think that's really been it. I'd like to see Kahale Waring be more a part of this offense no matter what. Just try and get him involved. Tim Kelly said, look, he's working his routes. He's working to get open. The ball just hasn't found him yet. Well, hopefully the ball is going to find him on Sunday. Number three. QT continued coming out. Well, out doesn't go, but you get the point. Kiki QT, as I mentioned earlier, and I don't want to spend too much time because I did this earlier, has been a monster against the Colts. Any way you can find to get him the football, along with Brandon Cooks, who's at number four with Cooks counts. Having Brandon Cooks back is as, a, as important as anything that could happen this weekend. Outside of having everybody that's hurt back. Having Brandon Cooks back is massively important. And last and certainly not least, which one? Which one is it going to be? Which player is going to step up a la Chad Hansen, a la Buddy Howell, a la Kiki QT? 
Which guy's going to step up that maybe we haven't seen or heard from? Is it going to be wearing? Hopefully so. Those are your first community credit union, first glance keys to the game. And that's one hour in the books. We get back. It's men behind the mics. Mark Vandermeer with Matt Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts. Indianapolis Colts. Indianapolis Colts. We've got one hour down and one hour left to go right here on a Friday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. And it's time for one of my favorite segments that we've ever done on this show in the seven years I've been doing it. That is our men behind the mics. You know Mark Vandermeer, the voice of the Texans. But how about Matt Taylor, the voice of the Indianapolis Colts? I believe he's been the voice now. This is his third season. He took over early in 2018 for Bob Lamy, who abruptly retired. So he had to deal with the 2018 season, Andrew Luck retiring in 2019, and then a COVID season of 2020. Boy, Matt Taylor's had it tough. However, he will say the same thing we all say in this business. We are not crying in our beer. We talk about football for a living. That's not bad. So here we go. Our men behind the mics this week. Mark Vandermeer with Matt Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts. I think I've talked to you more than I've talked to any member of my family in the last couple of weeks. Here we are, Texans and Colts again. How you doing? I'm well, Mark. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, we got this on speed dial here with two games in three weeks, but it's all good, right? We're, we're playing games, and that's that's all that matters. That's all that matters, and the Colts are really gunning for something special here. Well, take me back to your experience Seeing the Colts and Texans play a couple of weeks ago, and there we were, the Texans at the doorstep, ready to break the hearts of the Colts and unable to get it done. What did you take away from that game? Give me some of your thoughts post-game. Well, I mean, I thought, to your point, that the Colts were really fortunate to come out of there with a win because, as you said, you're facing second down and a goal from the two-yard line, and there in the two-minute drill, the Texans are just humming. And I think the biggest takeaway for, for, for me from that game is that just Deshaun Watson, I mean, I'm not breaking any news here. Deshaun Watson is really stinking good. I mean, the guy has, you know, the ability, you know, I think only like four or five guys in the league you can say this about, but he's got this ability to elevate everyone's play around him. And I'm not at all trying to be disrespectful, but I mean, Saturday night before the game, I had no idea who's, uh, who I, idea who Zach Hansen was. Like, I had no idea. Like game prepping for that game, uh, I had to, you know, crash course. And, and he had 100 yards in that game. And Kiki Cutie had 100 yards in that game. Uh, QD continues to be, you know, the Colts killer. He's been over 100 yards in, in three games in his career, all of them against Indianapolis. So the biggest thing for me is just offensively, as long as you got Deshaun Watson, you're always going to have a chance. I respect him that much. And he's able to, again, elevate everybody's play around him. I mean, you're kind of depleted at wide receiver. Brandon Cooks, I think, should be coming back this week, which is a great sign because I love him as a player as well. Uh, but, again, Deshaun Watson is just a top-five quarterback. I respect his game so much. And, again, on defense as well, Zach Cunningham's playing great. Uh, Adams is playing great. J.J. Uh, Watt had a sack and four tackles for loss against the Colts, uh, which is no surprise. Uh, he, he routinely uh, torments Indianapolis in their offense. So it was another, you know, I think stereotypical cliche Colts-Texans AFC South game that went down to the wire. The thing, the thing for me is going into this game, you know, the, the Texans are, are four and nine and, and not much to play for in, in terms of, you know, playoffs. I think that's pretty much out the window, uh, but they're going to be playing for pride. So if I'm the Colts with a lot in front of them in terms of, you know, seeding in the playoffs and still having a chance to win the AFC South here, 
I, I sell this game. I try to manipulate my guys uh, to the point where I've got them convinced by Friday, Saturday, that the Texans are 13-0 and and they can win this game. Because I, I absolutely think the Texans are good enough to win this game. Because, again, Deshaun Watson is that good, and I respect his game so much. Um, but if I'm the Colts, I, I, if I'm the Colts offense, I'm watching – uh, the, the second half of that game where the Texans shut out the Colts uh, offensively in the first meeting. And if I'm the Colts defense, uh, I'm watching the first half where Deshaun Watson and company gashed the Colts to 20 points in the first two quarters. Um, so I'm selling it really hard. Like this is the human nature bowl. It's human nature to kind of uh, let up. You're, you're coming off a big win over the Raiders. You played really well on offense. And now you got a team under 500 coming in that you've already beaten, you know, you got to fight against human nature in this game. And so that's kind of the, the tag I'm giving it. If you're a Colts fan, human nature bull kind of rise up against that. And, 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 you know, you can't take it for granted because the Colts really need another win uh, to ensure they make the playoffs and help their playoff seating. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts joining us. Okay. What about T Y Hilton? You mentioned QT being a Colts killer and yeah, he's put up some numbers, but T Y definitely has the pelts here against the Houston Texans. And he's erupted to a degree lately. He's in year nine. It seems like he's healthy now. What are you seeing out of T Y? Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail right in the head right there. He's healthy for the first time in three years. He's healthy in the month of December. Um, so that's big. And I, you know, this is just a hunch. Cause we're not around them every day, Mark, like we normally are in years past, you know, we're not out of practice like we it can be in, in, in the past, but I, I just think, you know, Phillip rivers, when he was with the chargers and in, in LA and San Diego, you know, he had some big body targets, you know, he had Antonio Gates and Williams and Keenan Allen. And those were guys that I think he was just comfortable with. Like he could throw the ball over the middle. They could box somebody out and he could throw the ball in a tight window. And he trusted those guys to make a play for him. And, and not that not that Rivers never had trust in T.Y. Hilton from the get-go, but I think as of right now, it's kind of at, at an all-time high as far as the season is concerned. He, you know, T.Y.'s not the biggest guy. You know, he's 5'9", 5'8", 5'9", somewhere in that range. But I think as of right now, Phillip Rivers is, is really comfortable and is starting to understand what kind of receiver he has in T.Y. He can back shoulder throw T.Y. open. You know, he can put the ball in a tight window for T.Y. And even though he's not the biggest guy, he can he can go make a play for him. And it's fun to see this offense kind of operate right now because all season long, for the most part, it's been eight or nine, ten receivers uh, or pass catchers every game getting involved in the Colts offense uh, offense here. But lately, you know, it's been kind of the, the triumphant, the trio of uh, Hines at the running back spot, Jonathan Taylor at running back as well, and then T.Y. Hilton. And what I like, you know, from the Colts in terms of what they're doing, they're getting T.Y. going early in some of these games lately. They're taking advantage of man-to-man coverage, and they're establishing T.Y. and getting his confidence going early on. You saw that in the first Texans game. Had a couple of big catches early. Got his rhythm going, got his timing going, uh, got a couple of big first downs and kind of just established that it was going to be a T.Y. Hilton kind of day early on. So that's what I like uh, in terms of what the Colts are doing with T.Y. Hilton and with him being healthy, as I talked about. I think that's going to be big for this team going forward in these last three games to continue to have T.Y. be the star of the show on offense but a really good supporting cast around him with solid football players and role guys like Zach Pascal and Trey Burton and Jack Doyle and Mo Alley-Cox. Matt, no one's ready to send 
Jonathan Taylor to the Pro Bowl just yet, but he's playing really well, and why is that? Tell me about his progress. It seems like the rookie wall or whatever is not a problem for him because he doesn't have all those touches, but how are you seeing it? Yeah, I think that's a really good question, and, and same kind of thing with T.Y. Hilton. He's kind of finding his rhythm in this offense right now. I mean, he's over 400 scrimmage yards in the last three games, over 300 rushing yards in the last three, and it's coming off his by, by far his best rushing uh, performance of the season last week in Las Vegas where he ran for 150 yards and uh, 20 touches. I mean, he's over, well over five yards per carry in the last three games. I think the biggest thing for Jonathan – you know, the Colts are a, a shotgun team. He's used to lining up in the eye formation behind a quarterback and a fullback uh, at Wisconsin and kind of running downhill. And the Colts are doing that some this season. But for the most part, they've been a shotgun team and they run out of the gun a lot. And I think the biggest thing for Jonathan Taylor is he's gotten a lot. He's gotten used to uh, more comfortable running out of the shotgun, which he didn't have to do a lot in, in college. So I think that's the biggest thing for him is he's starting to be patient and starting to let the offensive line kind of set up the run for him. Whereas in the beginning of the season, not that he was having a bad year, but he wasn't being as patient as he needed to be. So I think right now, you kind of that November speed bump that he hit, uh, you know, had a couple of he had the one fumble in a game and just it had some unproven. I think that that's kind of smoothed out for him. And he's really kind of in the zone uh, for the most part here in 2020, playing the best football of his young career. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, joining us. Matt, last time we talked a lot about Phillip Rivers. And what I see in the last couple of weeks here, because the last time we spoke, you were coming off that tough loss to the Tennessee Titans. But when you're running the ball well, when the defense is playing well enough, uh, he's spreading it around a little bit. He's so effective. He can still be extremely effective at this stage of his career. What did he throw it, 28 times against the Raiders? But they had the ground game cooking, so it all worked out very well for you. Yeah, I mean, balance was the name of the game in that last win over the Raiders. I mean, you threw it for 244, you ran it for 212. Again, you had eight different guys catch a pass, uh, and Rivers didn't have to do a whole lot. I mean, only 28 passes, two touchdowns, both of them to T.Y. Hilton. You're just getting um, very, very high-level quarterback play right now from Phillip Rivers, even though he's 39 years old. I mean, in the last eight games, I mean, around here in Indianapolis, we kind of point to that Cleveland game where it was the most uneven performance of the year since then. And it's been eight games. And you're talking about a 16 to four touchdown to pick ratio, uh, 67% completion percentage, well over 2,000 yards in that span. Uh, quarterback ratings over 101, and the Colts are six and two. Um, so they're getting, I, I think they're getting everything they thought they would, and then maybe then some with Phillip Rivers right now. And he's playing just like they thought he would uh, when they signed him back in March in free agency. I think the fascinating thing now going forward, if we can kind of fast forward into the offseason, what are they going to do with Rivers? Because it's a one-year deal. Mm -hmm. They don't have a quarterback on their roster right now uh, who signed beyond this 2020 season. So they have a decision to make. But based on everything we're seeing right now, I don't think there's any reason to believe that he can't play at a similar level at age 40 um, that he's playing uh, with here right now at age 39. I just don't think there's going to be a big drop-off, and that might afford the Colts uh, even more time to figure out, you know, what they're going to do, you know, long-term at the quarterback. Because Rivers is not going to be here in, 
you know, two to three years, certainly not five years. So the Colts are buying a little bit of time here, uh, whether it's the draft, maybe they can package up and move into the first round, high in the first round and go after somebody that they like, similar to what, maybe what the uh, the Chiefs did a few years ago with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, just completely spitballing here, but mm. Phillip Rivers has done a good job. He's afforded the Colts the opportunity to continue to box themselves out of the corner that they were kind of put in when Andrew Luck decided to retire two weeks before the 2019 season. And what Phillip Rivers is giving them is, you know, a guy that can still play at a high level, efficient quarterback play, and marry that with a young roster that's pretty much well-built, not a lot of holes on this team. Uh, it's a young team uh, under financial control, a lot of guys on the rookie contract, and they're trying to marry those two parties and get as much out of one another for as long as possible. Matt Taylor, voice of the Indianapolis Colts, joining us. Matt, the drama that's going on right now down the stretch between the Colts and the Titans. I mean, I'm watching this from where I sit. It's like watching two ex-girlfriends on The Bachelor. I mean, we're not really <laughs> part of it. I mean, we can help spoil it. We can prevent a rose here or there down the stretch with the game this weekend and the one against the Titans the final week of the regular season. But tell me about what you're thinking here down the stretch because you split with them. The last game didn't go so well for the Colts, but you're done with them in the regular season. How do you see it playing out these final three weeks? Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. I think, you know, the big, you know, hopefully both teams, you know, just for the argument's sake, you know, those that, that want a, a down-to-the-wire AFC South battle, you know, hopefully, if you know, if you just don't have a dog in the fight outside of Houston, you know, you're hopefully you're setting up, you know, both teams win this weekend. And then I think next week's going to be really fascinating because the Colts have to go on the road, play at Pittsburgh. I know the Texans already did that. And, you know, Pittsburgh's kind of smarting right now a little bit. You know, offensively, they don't look very good here at the moment. Uh, they dropped a couple of games. And then uh, that, that same week, next week, the Titans have to go on the road and they have to play at the Packers. And, you know, there's not going to be any fans in the game at, at, at Lambeau Field, uh, but it's always a, a tough place to play. And the Packers are probably still going to be playing for, you know, seeding and home field advantage and things like that. So uh, I think next week's going to be a really fascinating week. Uh, both teams have to play two division games. Um, or I should say the Colts have to play two division games. Uh, the the uh, the Titans have to play a, ro or a home game this weekend against the uh, the Lions. Um, so it's going to be fun. I mean, as we've talked about in the past, the Titans are a team. It's not hard to figure out how to beat them, but they're so good at what they do, it's hard to execute that game plan. They're a much better team when they play with a lead and in control of the game. The biggest thing for me is when they can, you know, when they can afford to give Derrick Henry, you know, twenty-five to twenty-seven carries per game, they're hard to beat. And when they don't have that luxury, if they're playing from behind, you know, they're a much different animal. When Ryan Tannehill has to rely on some of those receivers, not that they can't do it, but obviously their bread and butter is run the football, play action pass with Ryan Tannehill. I mean, they executed to an absolute T against the Colts back in uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, where. You know, it's it's not hard to figure out how to beat him. It's slow down Henry, take away the uh, play action game, uh, take away the big passing plays to, you know, to Corey Davis and A.J. Brown. And the Colts didn't do any of those things. And and they they got beat bad. I mean, he wasn't even close. Um, so it's it's going to be a really fun last three weeks here in the AFC South. Matt, Texans fans are doing a lot of thinking about who the new GM and coach, who they're going to be for this franchise and how it's all going to be set up because we really don't know. Tell me about Chris Ballard and Frank Reich and their chemistry. I know McDaniels was supposed to be the guy, didn't work out, whatever, but here you are and you're having some success with these two. What is it like between them, process? How do you see it? 
Yeah, I think, you know, first of all, great mutual respect between the two guys. Uh, both guys appreciate the other guys' job, you know, in, in the bigger picture, grand scheme of things. You know, Frank is obviously the guy that has to, you know, play the cards that he's been dealt. And, you know, I remember I go back to 2018 when the Colts didn't have nearly as, as solid of a uh, well-put-together roster as they do now. And Frank Reich thought, you know, hey, this is a Super Bowl team. I mean, that's kind of his mindset. No matter, you know, who's on his team, he feels like he can make it work. Um, so they have a tremendous amount of confidence in the talent that they have. Um, but, again, it's it's much better now than it was two, three years ago when, when Chris Ballard first got here. Um, but Chris is – He's got an eye for talent, and you know it's 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 easy for me to kind of say that because he's so much better at at evaluating things and projecting guys than than I ever could be. But you know, obviously for them, the Senior Bowl is a really big avenue of of you know evaluating players. They put a lot of stock in the Senior Bowl. Uh, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I would say in the last three or four years a high majority of their draft picks have been guys that played in that game. So they put a lot of stock in that. Um, and they also have, you know, baseline, um, you know, prerequisites for certain positions, every position, you know, they've got to get, they have, you know, things that, that players have to meet height, weight, speed, arm length, things like that. They don't deviate from them, you know, and, and if they, if they do deviate from them, as in the case with Kenny Moore, they have to have, like a trait that overcompensates for something that they're kind of deficient in. And so in, in Kenny's case, it's his wingspan, it's his arm length, and it's his vertical leap. And we saw that last week in Sunday, on Sunday against the Raiders. Mm-hmm. You know, Kenny's 5'8", five, 5'9", five, but he plays like a guy who's six one, six two because he's got unbelievable uh, wingspan. His arms are really big. I mean, he can go up and just snatch that ball out of, out of midair with one hand. And so that that's sort of how Chris Ballard operates. And he's really big into character. He's really big into, you know, locker room chemistry and culture. Um, you know, it's that old saying where, you know, Chris is the leader of the team, uh, but the team kind of dictates, you know, how well it plays and how far it's going to go. The locker room dictates, you know, a lot of that success. And he's a big believer in that. You know, you just look at Kenny Moore, guys like Rigoberto Sanchez, Jack Doyle, guys that do it consistently uh, on the field and do the right things off the field. They're going to get rewarded. Those are the guys that get contract extensions uh, under Chris Ballard so far in three years. Um, So they put a lot of weight, you know, with with character off the field, what you're like as a person. Um, You know, they have a, a former Marine on their staff who's sort of like a character evaluator. Uh, they take him well, everywhere. They take him to the combine. They take him to do all these draft interviews. And he's not asking football questions. He just wants to know how you tick, how you operate, how you are as a guy, uh, because they think that goes a long way in, in, in terms of your football success is kind of how you handle yourself off the field. So they kind of weigh the whole equation, not just football success, uh, but also character evaluation as well. All right, very cool. Great information, Matt. We appreciate the time, as always. Looking forward to the game on Sunday. Thanks a lot. Sweetness, my man. You got it. My pleasure. There he is, Matt Taylor, the voice of the Indianapolis Colts. Of course, alongside the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. All right, it's time to get crazy in our next segment with Drew Doherty. It's time for Drew's Dozen. 12 questions with the man himself, Drew Doherty, this week. It's former Northwestern star Nate Hall. 
Next on Texans All Access. Next on Texans All Access. Next on Texans All Access. Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by Daikin. Hey, Texans fans, get a home field advantage this summer with Daikin Air Intelligence Tips you can use to beat the heat in your home. Learn how to lower your energy costs, reclaim your outdoor space, and breathe easier by improving your indoor air quality. It's all part of Daikin's Air Intelligence, and you can learn all about it by visiting DaikinLovesHouston.com. As one of Houston's largest employers, Daikin is doing big things for your fellow Texans. Check out their outstanding limited warranties and financing options at your local dealer today. Now back to the show. I'm calling all Houston area teachers. You want to bring a little Texas football to your classroom? I got you covered. Toro's Math Drills brought to you by ConocoPhillips. Toro's Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn math through Texans football. Isn't that grand? Of course it is. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills. Get your students on the right track with Toro's Math Drills brought to you by Conical Phillips. All right, I'm John Harris, former math teacher, football analyst, and silent reporter for your Houston Texans, and it's time for Drew's Dozen. 12 questions with Drew Doherty, and a lot of them have nothing to do with football. So let's get to know a little bit Nate Hall, linebacker for your Houston Texans. We've got linebacker Nate Hall joining us. It's his first go-round in the Drew's Dozen. Nate, it's great to meet you via Zoom. Wish I could shake your hand and clap you on the shoulder and say what's up like we normally do in non-COVID times, but we can't. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Just finished up a normal Friday practice. Uh, you know, just, just steady with the routine. Not bad. Friday practice is up. Uh, my first season I worked with the Texans was 2009. Mm -hmm. uh, one Friday practice in December, a fullback the Texans had, a guy named Bonte Leach, went through the entire practice in a Santa Claus outfit. Did anyone go through a practice today in a Santa Claus outfit? I, I can't say that anybody did that this year. Okay. I can't say. But uh, we, do, we do have some characters on the team, so I could see how that, would, uh, <laughs> how that would be a possibility. I like it. Okay, you cracked open that little door. Who are some of these characters? Who makes you laugh? the most out of all your Texans teammates? Man, the guy that makes me laugh the most is probably Terrell Adams. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, he's just a, he's an interesting character. A guy who would, who would end up coming to practice in a, in a Santa Claus costume probably would be Jake Martin. He's the most <laughs> out there as far as what he wears. I'm sure, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure you've seen some of his pregame outfits with the short shorts and cowboy boots and things of that nature. That's pretty good to know. That, so Jake would be the guy that wears the Santa. I'm always trying to figure that out in my mind each year. Uh, yeah. Fonte left after the 2010 season. So it's yeah. good to know that that's the guy that would dress up as Santa Claus. Uh, how about nicknames? What are some of yours? Uh, I think my most, my most popular nickname is uh, Nate Hall, y'all. Which is all one. I got, I, got, I got that nickname in high school. So... Um, Shout out Denard Pinkney. He was a senior when I was a freshman and I was walking into basketball practice and he just screamed like, Nate, how y'all? Like really loud. And everyone started laughing and uh, it kind of stuck. So that's like my handle on most of my, pretty much all my social media. Um, kind of just shoot my, my Xbox gamer tag is Nate, how y'all? So that's, uh, that's probably my most popular nickname. 
Gosh, so as a freshman in high school, you were kind of destined to land in Texas eventually. I mean, you started out your pro career with the Cowboys, but now you've been with the Texans for the most part. That's yeah. kind of uh, fortuitous, isn't it? Because we, we like to use y'all quite a bit down here. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's fitting. I was worried when I came down here that it wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hit home as much just because the, the y'all is kind of uh, common down here. But I, I think everybody on the team still still loves the nickname. I still get called Nate Hall y'all randomly in the locker room. So it's great. It just rolls off the lip. I mean, that's perfect. It's it's yeah. it's a good one. Okay, um, you had two sacks Thanksgiving Day against mm-hmm. the Lions. It was mm-hmm. awesome. You played eleven snaps on defense in that game, and you produced. I mean. Yeah. If you did the per snap basis, you'd, you'd be like the greatest player in NFL history almost. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like when you got back to the locker room, you got showered, you got changed, all that stuff, and you turned your phone back on? What happened? Yeah, no, to, to your first point, my teammates were, were uh, making jokes that I was like the most efficient linebacker <laughs> in, the, in the league. So. Um, but no, yeah, I, I, I got back to my phone and it was – it was mostly people from, from back home because we played in Detroit and I'm from Toledo, so 45 minutes away, and obviously everyone's watching on Thanksgiving. So, I mean, I don't know how many text messages I had, but it was like I made it a point to, to respond to everybody because it, mo- most of the people that, that hit my phone were people that helped me get there along the way. So, um, uh, but, yeah, it was pretty hectic. But, I, you know, I was obviously it's, it was a great moment for me and my family, so I was happy, happy when I got back to my phone for sure. That's outstanding. I mean, you strike me as the guy just in general who's thankful and on Thanksgiving Day you're, you're extra thankful for things. But that had to kind of like just juice it up even more as far as making it a memorable Thanksgiving, hearing from all those folks after doing what you did on the field, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so um, – and I, and I posted about this on my Instagram, like that Detroit State Ford Field is where I watched my first uh, NFL game with my father. Um, wow. We drove up because – I grew up a Minnesota Vikings fan because Randy Moss was my favorite player. So um, we went up there and watched, watched that game. And it was just, you know, it, it kind of came to have that type of performance in that stadium kind of came full circle for me. Like, like the football guys were watching, watching out for me, you know, my whole career. So um, it was a special moment for me. And I know it was a special moment for a lot of the people that helped me get there. So for sure. And it was like a cherry on top of what was just a fun day all around for the Texans. I mean, yeah. offense, defense, special teams, they were making it happen that day. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, when I tweeted, because during games, you know, I'll tweet about big plays that have happened. I just tweeted, hey, you got a strip sack. And then I followed it up uh, with the other sack or, or vice versa. I can't remember the order right now. But mm-hmm. in that short span, it got retweeted and commented upon by Northwestern fans, Northwestern football and I, had, I didn't tag you, I didn't tag them, but they had their antennae up about you. What's the yeah. deal with your Northwestern backing, first of all? And then I'm going to go a little oh, further as well. Look, I can talk about this for, for, for days. But, um, I come from a school in Northwestern, obviously, that didn't get a lot of respect, um, even when we were winning 10, 11 games a year. Um, so everybody that comes in the league is still trying to fight for that respect, myself included. I mean, I'm thinking of a handful of guys that were disrespected in their, um, their college careers and now they're in the NFL thriving. And it's no shock to, you know, Wildcat Nation, but, um, you know, they, they, like to, they like to support us because they know what we're capable of. And I think that's kind of what you, what you were seeing, you know, um, on social media. Uh, so it's, 
it's always great to have those those fans still following us and having our backs in the NFL for sure. And one of the cool things about it was there was a guy who played safety brilliantly at Northwestern about a decade ago named Brian Peters. He came here with the Texans. He was a linebacker, but he made his bones on special teams. He was an outstanding special teamer. Not in the league right now, but even he was, you know, supporting you and, and a big fan of that. What's it like when you see guys from the past that, that are, you know, recognizing what you did? Yeah, yeah. It's just a, it's a testament to the, to the brotherhood that we, that we built in Evanston. Um, and a testament to the brotherhood uh, here, too. Uh, obviously, Brian's still, you know, he's a great guy. He follows Northwestern football closely, uh, follows Texan football closely. Um, and even I saw him tweet something the other day about his high school, Pinkerington, um, in Columbus. So, I mean, that's a, that's a passionate dude all the way around. But, yeah, it means a lot. I mean, um, to carry on legacies uh, in my past, um, you know, bring them here in the NFL and, and make people proud, you know, that's, that's a big part of the reason why I still play, you know. That's awesome. Okay, switching gears because we're, we're veering into, like, very serious territory there. If we keep going, I might start crying. You might start crying. And you don't <laughs> want any of that. Got to keep things light here. Uh, did, do you like or did you like the Office, the TV show? Yeah, I, I dabbled in the Office. I wasn't, like, a fanatic, but it definitely – I know the characters for the most part. Which Office character do you most identify with? <laughs> uh, probably Jim. I don't want to say Jim. Everybody says Jim, don't they? Yeah, I feel like everybody said that's why I didn't want to say because I feel like he's the most normal out of everybody. So <laughs> like I'm not that weird. So Jim. Um, I don't know if I identify with any of them. I think, um, I think Kevin is the is the most funny character on the show. I just think he's a very sneaky, funny character. Uh, just kind of in the back. I think he's in accounting, right? Yeah, he's he's really funny. The, the whole accounting department is kind of fun. Yeah, the whole yeah, they're all they've all got their quirks. Every character on that show has their quirk. Okay, yeah. uh, what would your career be were it not for football? What would you be doing if if you were not in, in the NFL? That's the million dollar question. Uh, I know you got the business background. Yeah, yeah, I I, I did I did some some pretty hardcore schooling in, in business. Uh, if it, professionally, probably would probably be something in, in commercial real estate, commercial real estate development. Um, I mean, I have other passions outside of, of football and, and even outside of business really, but um, that's probably something I'll, I'll get into. And I'll probably, you know, dabble in some of that while I'm still playing in the NFL. Obviously it's not like the NFL limits you from, from other business opportunities, as I'm sure you know, and a lot of the fans know. So, um, but yeah, I'd probably say, say real estate development, um, real estate investment. Okay, you just brought it up. So what are these other passions that you got outside of football? Um, the one that shocks people the most is like, I'm, I'm really into motorsports. So like NASCAR, Formula One. Um, unfortunately, they didn't, you know, Formula One didn't come to Austin this year because of COVID-19. But that's, that's one that I want to, I want to go to. Um, yeah, no, I mean, Lewis Hamilton fan. I was a Jimmy Johnson fan who just, you know, uh, you know, arguably the greatest driver of all time in NASCAR just retired this year. Um, but yeah, people are always, people are always shocked when I say that, but my dad got me into racing and cars, um, going up to MIS Michigan international speedway when I was a kid. Uh, yeah. So that's just one thing I'm pretty passionate about. I'm not shocked because, uh, you know, I didn't watch motorsports growing up, but mm -hmm. earlier in my career, I actually interviewed Jimmy Johnson when he was a rookie. Uh, really? riding in his or driving his first race it was at the texas motor speedway back about uh, 20 years ago 
And I've, I've been to races both there. I've been open wheel, been to open wheel races as well. I think mm. if you actually go to a race, I can see easily how you yeah. get hooked on that because seeing it, it assaults all five of your senses. Whereas yeah. watching it on TV, you don't get as, as much of that, you know? Very true. Yeah, very true. I think my first, actually my first race was in, it was New Hampshire. Oh, okay. My dad has a friend who lives in that area and we flew out there to visit him, you know, killed two birds with one stone and, and went out to the race. And yeah, I was, I mean, I can't remember how old I was, maybe 10 years old, nine, 10 years old. Yeah, that was an amazing experience. So like watching on TV and then to go see it up close and personal and just the atmosphere, all the things that there are to do, um, the community that's built around it. Um, yeah, no, I was, yeah. Motorsports. All right. That's pretty cool. That's, that's different. Um, let's say you're trapped in a room. It's 10 feet wide, 10 feet wide. It's a square room. It's no windows. Filled, huh? I said no windows, huh? No windows. <laughs> uh, and it's filled with food. Mm. You've got to eat your way out if you're going to get out mm. of this room. What's the food you're going to choose to eat your way out with? So another thing people don't know about me, I guess, uh, I am Middle Eastern. So I'm Lebanese and Syrian amongst okay. other things, but I grew up eating um, that style of food uh, quite often. So I'd have to go with food from that region. So like grape leaves, hummus, sarais, pita bread, all that stuff. I could just run the list, but those things, um, probably the most tolerable if I had to eat that much. That's right. And you're, they're kind of on the lighter side too. You don't want to, I mean, if you want to get out of there, you know, you got to have some light food. Yeah. So those are good choices. I like that. Uh, what's the best Christmas present you ever got? <laughs> well, I'm sitting back here making it seem like I never get Christmas presents. <laughs> well, you've got so many great ones that you can't decide between which one. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think because I, because I call it, it's, I feel like I'm getting old because they're all meshing together. Oh, don't like, say you're old, man. You're only 24. I'm... <laughs> Look, my parents, after, my parents always said I was mature beyond my years. So like by the time I, when I got to college, I was like, don't give me anything that's like a luxury item. I don't care about that. Just give me practical stuff. So every year my mom just renews my Costco membership and I'm like super hype about that. I'm like, oh, the gas is, the gas is good. The, you know, I get to go get groceries in bulk. Like, little does she know, I, that means a lot. Even their hot dog and, a, and soda meal. I mean, that's just outstanding. Yeah, and, and a couple, like the, the one in Toledo that I went to would always make these sandwiches that they would kind of use ingredients from the store and make sandwiches. And they would see. Uh, yeah. My wife and I, uh, we have four little kids and my seven-year-old daughter and my five-year-old son are, it's like, taking them to Disney world, you know, like they love the free samples. So, Oh yeah. They, uh, they don't, they don't skimp on any there. Yeah. Well, Nate, this was a lot of fun. You're a unique guy. I appreciate you taking some time on a Friday to do this. Best cool. of luck the rest of the way. Hope you uh, get to watch some motorsports in the off season and wait before we finish this. You got to tell me about Thailand before all this uh, pandemic yeah. went down. You got to go to Thailand. How was that? Yeah, that was, that was incredible, man. So, um, Actually, so when I booked that trip, I had no clue about COVID and, and things of that nature. And um, so it was kind of right before it became kind of like a scare across the world. Um, mm -hmm. It was an incredible experience. I mean, the people over there, the locals, so inviting. It's, it's, it's funny because I, I didn't expect them to be so 
willing to share their culture. And it was just such a warm feeling for them to, to them to, you know, share their culture and not, not get frustrated when you do something that's kind of out of their norms, but to try to teach you about it. Um, amongst all things, it's a beautiful place. I mean, yeah, like we went to um, PP Islands. Um, beautiful. Like you really, you really get a taste of what island life is like. And I'll say this, anybody out there, if you think you know what a mango tastes like, you don't until you've gone <laughs> to Thailand. I mean, really? mangoes, there was this, it was like a mango cafe and it was like kind of breakfast inspired food. And I, when I was on that island for three days, I went there every day. Like I had so many mangoes. I can't even, can't even count. Man. It, was, it was incredible. But no, it was, it, it made me, made me more hungry to travel for sure. I was going to say, what's next when this all ends and you can travel, where is the next big spot you want to go to? I really want to go to, um, Australia. Okay. Um, New Zealand. Um, I haven't done Europe yet, but I feel like I have plenty of time to kind of do Europe. Um, I really want to go to Australia, see that. And then, um, do some South American countries as well. Um, haven't pinpointed exactly which ones, but um, between South America and Australia, whichever one seems to be easier at the moment is probably what I'll do. I like it. Well, I hope that's sooner than later for you because traveling's fun. I've been lucky enough to go to Europe, but I too would like to go to Australia and New Zealand amongst many, many other places. All right, Nate Hall, I promise. Now we're going to wrap this up. You're a great sport. Just fun learning about you. Have a great weekend. Best of luck against those Colts. Let's beat them. It's always yeah, fun to beat got them. to. It'll be a physical one, but it'll be a good one like always. So uh, yeah, hopefully sure. we come on the Come out on the winning end this time. All right, that was fun stuff, getting to know Nate Hall through Drew's Dozen. Now, Drew's going to pop in the next segment, as he, as he always does, for our Drew's final word. And this week, it's with Chad Hansen. So you got to be looking forward to that. But I've also got to do my predictions, too. So I'm going to rip through the predictions, straight up and against the spread, and then Drew's going to stop by for Drew's final word, and that'll be it for tonight's show. Got it? Good. Stay right where you are. We got one final segment of this Friday edition of Texans All Access. I am John Harris, and we've got a lot to do. We got predictions, and then we got to get the Drew's final word with Chad Hansen. And I don't have much time to do it, but I'm going to crank through every single game this weekend about as fast as I've ever done, straight up and against the spread. Let's pick them. Let's go. The Bills go to Denver for Saturday. Buffalo's favored by five. Bills are going to win that thing going away. Bills to win. Bills to cover. Also, Saturday night, the Panthers take on the Packers. The Packers are favored by eight at home. That's not enough. Packers to win and cover at home. Then Sunday at noon, the Bucks go to the Falcons. Falcons kind of dip it a little bit after getting four wins in the last seven games. They've lost a couple in a row. They're a six-point dog at Tampa Bay. I'm going with Tampa Bay to win and to cover. 49ers taking on the Cowboys. Joe Montana is not showing up, but the Niners will lose to the Cowboys. Cowboys going to get a win, so I'm taking those three. Give the Cowboys the win. Lions, Titans. Titans are favored by 11. Ugh. Titans win big. Patriots taking on the Dolphins. Down in Miami. Miami's only a three-point favorite. It's going to be a Patriots upset down in Miami. Believe me, I hope so. Bears taking on Vikings. 
The Bears need this one after last week, but at Minnesota, Minnesota favored by three. The Vikings are going to get that win and win by more than three. The Seahawks taking on the Washington football team in Washington. Seattle's favored by five. It's upset city. Not this time. Washington will get beat. They're playing Dwayne Haskins. The Seahawks will be all over him. The Seahawks will win that and cover that five. Jags, Ravens. Ravens favored by 13. It could get ugly. Ravens win big. Jets, Rams. Ugh, Rams, huge. Eagles taking on the Cardinals in a 3-0-5 game. The Eagles will play well with Jalen Hurts, but I think the Cardinals are going to pull this out. It's a battle of transfer quarterbacks to Oklahoma with Jalen Hurts taking on Kyler Murray. Cardinals will win this thing, and they'll win it barely by more than 6.5. Chiefs taking on the Saints in a great Sunday afternoon game. Drew Brees is back, but no Michael Thomas. Chiefs are going to win this thing by more than their favorite, the three and the Browns are taking on the Giants on Sunday night. Baker Mayfield is hot. At least he was in that Monday night game. I'm going with him on Sunday night against the Giants to win by more than six and a half. They're favored by. So there you go. Bengals Steelers on Monday night. Steelers huge by more than 13. All right, let's get to Drew's final word. And this week it's with Chad Hansen. Drew, take it away. Thank you so much, fellas. We've got wide receiver Chad Hansen with us now. And Chad, it's been an interesting season. It's been an interesting last two weeks. What have they been like for you on a personal basis? Oh man, it's been a lot of a lot of crazy, a lot of crazy emotions. You know, going through from the practice squad being pulled up and put into a starting role and uh, having a pretty big role, I'd say. So, you know, it's been it's been a great experience for me, and it's been awesome. Yeah, big role indeed. I mean, you've essentially been one of the, the primary targets. I know you always had confidence. That's that's clear. But how much have you learned about yourself over the last two weeks? That's that's one thing that I, I try to pride myself on is, is keeping my confidence. I had been bouncing around for a while, you know, since my rookie year. So it's kind of tough to keep that confidence. But but really, as a receiver, that's one thing that you can never lose is that confidence to know that that you know that you can go out there and play with anybody and win and, you know, make all the plays that come to you and gain the trust and all that. So it's it's been a crazy journey but it's definitely been very beneficial for my career no doubt you know when you and I talked a bit back in August we talked about some of those sources of confidence they come from many different places one of them you described all the time you got to work with Deshaun Watson in May and in June and in July when he was throwing in California and Arizona and Miami and what did you learn from him during that time because not everyone has heard that story yeah, well, I mean, Deshaun would reach out to the receivers and let them know, hey, I'm going to be here throwing, and if any of you guys are in the area, I'd love to throw with you. So I would always make myself available and, and you know, always be there because I know that as a receiver, having that trust from your quarterback is really the biggest thing when you have that trust. And, and I learned how he works and how, you know, how he expects me to work. And getting that timing and being on the same page is, has paid dividends when I've been out there this year. You guys have taken very different journeys to where you are now, but there are many similarities as well with Kiki QT. How nice was it and how nice has it been kind of experiencing some portions of individual success despite what's been going on with the team this year? You know, obviously the team success is the ultimate goal, but just being out there and, and seeing what Kiki's done and how well he's played when he's given the opportunities and kind of like my situation, you know, you just, you're just waiting on your opportunity, confident in your ability and, you know, once you get that opportunity, you want to make the most of it. And I, I feel like Kiki's done that, and I have as well. That's for darn sure. We saw the big game a couple weeks ago against the Colts. You got seven catches the next week in Chicago. 
As a team, though, how do you guys erase that bad taste from your mouth that came from the uh, loss against the Bears? Well, I mean, I think they say in football you got a 24-hour rule. Either good or bad, you take 24 hours to clean up what you did wrong or you can't dwell on, on all the bad things. So I'd say we're past that and we're, we're on to Indy looking for, looking for a win this week. Yeah, tell me about that Indianapolis Colts secondary. You guys had some success against them just two weeks ago when you played them. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're great players. You know, they're, they have a great defense. They're one of the top defenses in the league. So it was, it was awesome for us to go out there and, you know, hit some big plays on them and put them on their heels a little bit. And I think that's probably something that we're going to be trying to do this week as well. How nasty is an AFC South matchup? You, you're part of the one a couple of weeks ago, but you've been around this team. You've seen how it is. What's it like when you take on one of the divisional opponents? Well, it's a little bit different because they, they know everything that you're going to do. We know everything that they're going to do. So really just, you know, I don't want to say rolling the, ball and out, rolling the ball out there and playing, but kind of have a good feel for what they're going to do. So really just winning one-on-one matchups and beating your man. Really, that's, that's all you can do. Nice. And we're going to leave you with Christmas coming up. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Christmas Vacation. I grew up every year watching that. It's my dad's favorite movie, so he made us watch it every year. So <laughs> turns into my favorite movie. Great stuff there from Drew and Chad Hansen. A big thanks to Drew and Nate Hall, to DP and Kiki QT, to Mark and Matt Taylor, to Romeo Cornell, to all of you for listening. We'll see you next time. And as always, go Texans. Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by Apache Corporation. Nearly 3 billion people worldwide live in energy poverty, meaning they lack access to reliable electricity or clean cooking fuels. The natural gas and oil produced by companies like Apache Corporation help power cleaner electricity, enable access to food, education, and healthcare, and connect us to those we love. We are committed to providing the energy the world needs and to elevating families across the globe to higher standards of living. Learn more at ApacheCorp.com. That's ApacheCorp.com. Now here's the show.